So we're starting a new series today. This is the last series of the year, which feels a little strange to say because it's only November, but the end of the Christian calendar is actually the beginning of Advent. So this is the last few weeks of the Christian year. And even in terms of our calendar, Christmas is the last, the last series, right? Like, you can't, you can't do anything else. Of course we're going to do Christmas and Advent, and, and we should, right? That's right. So it means that in terms of the last series that we get to actually choose what we're doing, this is our last one. So I wanted us to take this time to refocus. 2020 has been a hard year. Can I get an amen? 2020 has been, it's been difficult, it's been hard to focus, things have been out of focus, like you're, you're watching me through a camera right now, and the camera is pointed at me, and if I step over to the side, the camera shifts, and if I step to the other side, the camera shifts back, thank you to our cameraman. Now, there's another pro- thing that goes on with cameras, and cameras need to focus, and the camera can be pointed at exactly what it needs to be pointed at. But if the camera's out of focus, you can't really see me. I'm going to be blurry, I'm going to be difficult to see, it's going to make your process a lot more difficult. And 2020 has felt like that in a lot of ways. I have, I feel, I don't know about you, but I feel that I've generally been able to keep my camera, my eyes, focused where they need to be. But sometimes, my focus tends to get off. And, and I, can, I have difficulty seeing. And there's been so many stresses this year. Because, well, you know why. But let's take a couple of weeks here and let's refocus on God's priorities. Let's make sure that our camera is not only pointed where it needs to be, but that our camera is adjusted, that we're focused in, that we're seeing what we need to see, and that we're not actually looking past those things to other things. So today, we're going to be talking about the church. We're speaking on the mission of the church and why this is important, why this matters. Now, the word church is a little bit vague for some people. In in fact, it tends to refer to three different things. We sometimes talk about the church in terms of the building. You know, I am standing in the church. I'm in the sanctuary of the church, to be more precise, but... I came to church this morning and I'm preaching at church and you are not at church because you are in your living room or on your bed or wherever it is that you happen to be watching this, right? And we, we think of that in that way. And that's not, that's not wrong. The word church derives through several languages and comes from a Greek word that means the Lord's house. So we're not, we're not wrong to refer to church as the building. However, that is not the word that the Bible uses that we typically translate as church. That word is ecclesia, and that word means gathering or assembly, and this tends to focus on not the building, but on the people, on the collection of the believers in Christ who come together to do the activity Of the church. And that's the other thing is church also regularly refers to the activity of the believers, not just the building and not just the assembly, but to the activity. We sometimes you may hear people talking about doing church or or being church, right? That these are things that we do and that these are these are priorities in our lives. There's a there's a 
wonderful quote that I'm, I'm quite fond of by a man named Billy Sunday, and it goes like this. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in the garage makes you a car. Billy Sunday was a baseball player, and he was an evangelist. He was a, he was a very devoted Christian. So it should be noted that Billy was speaking in the context that going to church doesn't mean that you're really following Jesus. You have to follow Jesus in your own life. You have to do these things on purpose. You have to, you have to do more than just show up. However, I often hear this used as an excuse to not go to church. I don't have to go to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in the garage makes you a car. And that's true. You can be a Christian not at church. You don't, you don't have to come to church to be a Christian to follow Jesus. But, if I can flip that around, if you're a car, if you claim to be a car, I should see you standing in the garage. And if you claim to be a Christian, if you say that your life is about following Jesus, then we should see you in church. So why church? Why is this important? Well, let's go to, straight to the source. Let's see what Jesus had to say on this. And the only apology that I'll make for today is this sermon could have been so long. You know, we could just flip open the Bible and be like, what does this say about the importance of church? So I've had to be a little bit selective and so because I, I don't want to keep you all afternoon. So let's go to Matthew 16, verse 18. There's a very famous statement of Jesus and this immediately follows on Jesus asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And their response, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There's so much we could say about that. But the focus we're gonna go is on the next verse where Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter because it was Peter speaking and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now this begs a question, who or what is the rock? Traditionally, men, many have attributed the rock to Peter. The word Peter means rock, that's, that's the same, it, they're almost the same word, it's, it's Petros, you're Petros, and on the Petra I will build my church, so they're, they're very related words, but is Peter the rock? Or perhaps it's Peter's confession of Jesus' identity, this confession that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that this is the rock upon which Christ will build the church. Or is the rock, in fact, Christ himself? And not merely the confession of Christ, but that Christ is the foundation of the church. It's a bit of an open question. It has been debated by many, and there's no argument that Peter was foundational to the beginnings of the Christian church. He was extremely important, and in fact, he wrote a letter, which we can see in the Bible, to see a little bit of what he thought on this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 4, he says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter, who calls himself Peter, says, I, I am a stone. But who else does he call a stone? He calls Jesus the stone. He says that Jesus is the living stone, the one who's rejected by humans but chosen by God. In fact, in that same chapter, Peter goes on to quote Isaiah twice and David once, all referring to Jesus as the stone or the rock. 
But that's not all. Peter refers to you and I as stones. That we are all together being built up into the church. That this is not alone. That this is not something that that rests on one person except that it rests on Christ as the cornerstone. But that we are all part of this. So you can, you can take your pick, whether the stone in this, in this passage refers to Peter or the confession or to Christ himself. I, I think there's some validity to all of them, but in most safety, I think we must say that the, the foundation upon which the church is built is Christ himself. But that's not actually where I wanted to focus. The focus is that Jesus says he will build his church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What a statement. How important is this thing if the very gates of hell are not able to overcome it? Well, I gotta move on. How about Matthew 28, in verse 18? This is the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. The last words that Jesus says to his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This, this little passage, is the activity of the church. This is what the church is to do. Jesus doesn't use the word church here, but he's very clearly speaking to his disciples and telling them what it is that he's asking them to do. This passage is known as the Great Commission. Well, what does the rest of the New Testament say about the importance of church. Again, so many passages we could choose from here, but let's, let's see a couple. How about in Ephesians 1? Starting in verse 22, God placed all things under his, that is Jesus, feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's a, a paraphrase, it's not a, not a proper translation, but a paraphrase of the Bible called the message. And I don't use it as my primary Bible source, but it's sometimes good for getting a different perspective on things that the Bible says. And I'd like to read you that passage from the message. The message formats itself a little bit differently because it reads in chunks. So this one has to start in verse 20 rather than in verse 22 where it says, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He is the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. So the church as this central aspect of existence is about doing God's activity in the world. It's about restoration and healing and justice and truth. And of course, a very famous passage that often gets brought up in questions of how important is church? In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you claim to be a car, I expect to see you in the garage. And if you claim to be a Christian, I expect to see you in church. So what is the activity of the church? I think very simply, I like to put things very simply and I like to put things in groups of three. Lots of people seem to be fond of that. So to me, if you ask me what is the activity of the church, I would say it's three things. It is care, it is teaching, and it is worship. And from those three, we can, we can see what those are. So care is this idea that you know, we care for one another, not only one another within the church, but also those outside the church who we have the ability to help. This morning, our church was giving out food for our food bank. We do this every week. This is very important to our church. And Justina thanked our congregation earlier this morning for the very generous donations that we've been receiving. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. All of the ways that we can carry one another's burdens when we can give someone who needs it food, when we can give someone who needs it an ear to listen or a shoulder to cry on, that we have fellowship with one another, that we care, that we have this relationship going out. The second part is teaching. And for this, I'd like to point us to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it describes the activity of the early church. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, I think arguably you could see all of those three in that passage. But the focus that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that the, the teaching of the word, the Bible, the connection that we get with God is how we realign our lives. It's how we bring ourselves more into the image of the Son. And finally, the activity of the church is to worship. And Colossians chapter four, verse two, commands us to devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This, we engaged in this this morning. We sang songs, we have prayed, we have read scripture. The idea that we must bring praises to the Father is central to who and what we are as church. So how? There's a bunch of ideas about what we should be doing, but how should we do it? All churches basically have the Great Commission as their mission statement. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We use this in Elam, in Elam Chapel. We, we don't use it directly, but we specifically reference it in our mission statement. Actually, I think it's our vision statement. But churches have different ways of going about that mission. Here at Elam Chapel, we've said, we've decided to make it very simple for ourselves. We've said that we are disciples making disciples. And we've said that the way that we're going to go about this, again, in three words, though I didn't come up with this one, our three words for how we're going to go about the mission of the church are embrace, equip, and engage. To embrace means to be a community, to have fellowship, to have friendship, to be concerned with our sense of belonging and the sense of belonging of others within our community. Embraces first for so many reasons. And this is accomplished through our Sunday morning gatherings, at least when we're able to gather together. It's accomplished through being part of a small group and making those friends and connections. It's accomplished through being part of volunteer teams in different parts of the church and finding that sense of belonging and friendship that happens through that. 
Equip is about teaching. It's about Bible study. It's about courses. It is about this right here, what's happening right now, the preaching of the word, because this is how we, we become better servants of Christ. We must e- become equipped for the ministry. We accomplish this through our Sunday morning service, through small group material, through mentorship that happens as we volunteer together. There are so many ways and so many times during which equip happens at Elam Chapel. And finally, the third part of how we do church is we engage. And this is that we, we seek to guide our people not only to be part of the community, not only to be sitting and receiving what goes on on a Sunday morning or throughout the week, but to give back, to engage with the mission of God, to be part of making those things happen. This tends to happen in two ways. We give of our time and our energy, typically through being part of a volunteer team, like being part of something trying to make a difference. This could be by joining in Kid Zone or in Food Bank, be part of the tech team, the worship team, the greeters, the ushers, choosing to host a small group rather than simply attending, or even joining the speaking team, as we've had so many of our congregation members help out from the pulpit this year, which I've really enjoyed. And the other way that Engage typically happens is that people decide that they're going to be giving of their finances that they want to be part of what's going on at the church, not only through their time and their energy and their attendance, but that they're going to devote some of their resources to what happens. Next week, we're going to be preaching on giving as worship, and I'm really looking forward to that sermon. Though I'm not giving it, to be clear. (laughs) So this is who we are. This is who we are here at Elam. We believe in the mission of the church. We are here to care, we are here to teach, we are here to worship. And we're going to do that by embracing, by equipping, by engaging. We want to be people with God's priorities, living God's way. We want to be disciples, making disciples. Will you join us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for another Sunday in your house. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the great mission that you have given us to go into all the world to make disciples, to be the bringers of peace, to be bringers of joy, to be your hands and feet upon the world, sharing your love and kindness with those who need it. We pray that we would be your people as we go from this church, that we would help those who need help, that we would love those who need love, that we would rescue those who need rescue, that we would bring justice in society as we need to. In your name we pray, amen.